kid. I used to coach with this guy out in Illinois, and that was like his catchphrase for like every season of football was expect the unexpected. And it became kind of this mantra he would repeat literally like five million times a day. It would drive you nuts. And he'd walk around practice, and he'd try to catch kids off guard. And like a kid would be standing there, and then he'd push him in the back, and he'd say, expect the unexpected. And he got to be really cheesy. Uh, but, but there are things in life that aren't what you expect, Right. Like, or maybe you have an expectation and then it completely gets blown away, like 50, more than 50 points at a Husker game and it wasn't against us, right? <laughs> like, hallelujah, praise Jesus. Um, and so, but that's, there's things in life. And I remember this time, I had a student one time who was having trouble with her roommate. And I, I, you get that a lot in campus ministry. And so we were talking and she's telling me how hard this person is to live with and they're super weird and like it's kind of scaring me and I'm kind of downplaying like I'm just like okay drama queen like it's probably not as bad as you think and she goes I'm telling you I'm gonna get her to come some night with me to CSF and you're gonna see her and you're gonna you're gonna meet her and it's gonna blow your mind and I'm like I highly doubt that and uh, so one Sunday night she actually came and her roommate came in and seemed like a super sweet girl and she had with her I'm not making this up like, you know those old, like, glass cookie jars that, like, your grandma used to have that are, like, this big? She had one of those. Not that weird, right? Hang on. And she had the head of a stuffed animal in it. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, that's different. <laughs> and so I'm talking with her, and she doesn't eat. It's like it's not even there. And so this person leaves, and the roommate comes up to me who's been complaining, and she goes, what would you think? I said, well, she seems nice, but that's weird, right? And she goes, oh, no, there's like 50 of those in our room. I'm like, what? And she goes, no, there's literally like 50 jars with the heads of stuffed animals cut off and put in them. It's like an episode of CSI in here. And I was like, you're right. That exceeded my expectations. <laughs> there are things that go way beyond what you think would happen, right? Or, or something, you get something completely different than what you thought. Well, this morning, we're going to do something a little unexpected, maybe. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2. You can go ahead and turn there in your Bibles or get there in your Bible app if you want. And I know what some of you are thinking, if you're familiar with the gospel of Luke, you're thinking, wow, it's a little early for Christmas, right? Luke chapter 2 is the story of Jesus' birth. And I want to let you in on a little secret this morning. We are actually allowed to read about Jesus' birth outside of Christmas. I didn't know that until this week. Pastor Dave let me know that. And so I learned something new, right? And Jesus, when he entered the world, we're going to read this and we're going to see that when Jesus came into the world, he came in an unexpected way. Uh, in fact... We're going to see this morning that the birth story of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke, honestly, I think it sets the tone for how Jesus goes beyond expectations in so many ways with the people that encounter him. And I want to suggest to you this morning that that is still true today. So we're going to read this familiar story this morning, but I'm willing to bet maybe we're going to see some unexpected things. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And then in verse 4, it says, Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to the city of David, because he was in the house and the lineage of David. And he went to be registered with Mary, who was with child. Verse 6, while they were there, the time came for Mary to give birth. 
She gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and she laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the end. In the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in their field who were keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel and a multitude of the heavenly host who were praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those in whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem, let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went in haste, and they found Mary and Joseph, and the baby lying in a manger, and they saw it, and they made known to them the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. A familiar story in an unexpected season, right? But I think the first thing we see is that Jesus, he often doesn't show up the way you would expect. Jesus didn't come into the world in the way you would expect a king to enter, right? The, the Messiah, the one that we'd hoped for, the one that they had been waiting for, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, you would expect a trumpet procession or you would expect him to be born in the fanciest of places. You would expect there to be crowds of people and celebrations. And yet we find that Jesus enters the world in a manger behind a place that wouldn't even give them a place to stay around the farm animals, it's an unexpected way to enter the world. But, but if you continue on in Jesus' life on earth, he, he, he does this all the time. Jesus always showed up in unusual, unexpected, against-the-grain kind of ways. Now, we read a story where Jesus, one of his friends, it was dying, was sick to death, and Jesus delayed four days and actually showed up at Lazarus' house after he died. In an unexpected way. Jesus would show up in a town and he would hang out at the tax collector's house instead of the rich and influential. Jesus went to the church and flipped over the tables in anger, but then he went into town and knelt down next to a woman caught in adultery in gentleness. Jesus showed up to the fishing wharf looking for leaders for the kingdom of God, and he went to the temple and he taught against the teachers in the church. Jesus almost always didn't come the way you would expect. Kyle Eidelman says it this way. He says, Jesus could have came into the world in one of its greatest cities, but, but then people probably would have said, well, you know, right time, right place. Look at what fate did for Jesus. He could have been born into a billionaire's financial dynasty, but then people would have said, well, look what money did for Jesus. He could have been a child of an earthly emperor or a mighty ruler, but then people would have said, well, look what political power did for Jesus. He could have come by way of a celebrity family, but then people would have said, well, look what fame did for Jesus. That's what got him started. Eidelman says, instead, Jesus stepped into poverty he stepped into weakness and obscurity, and the only thing that was left to say about him was, look what God can do. 
Look what God can, he, he can take a blank canvas and say, watch this. Jesus shows up in unexpected ways so that we always know that it's, it's Jesus and not us. So that when we see what he does, which in unexpected things, in unexpected places, we look at that and go, well, that has to be God. That has to be God. In 1 Kings chapter 19, we read this story. Elijah has had this great victory, and now he's fleeing from Jezebel and his army, and Elijah is devastated. He's depressed. He's ready to pack it in. He climbs up on top of this mountain, and he says to God, I'm the only one left fighting for you. I'm the only one left. Everybody's against me. I wish I would die. And then it says this. He's, God said to Elijah, he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. He said, go out there, and he said, behold, the Lord passed by, and there was this great strong wind that tore the mountains and broke the pieces into rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. Well, then it goes on, and he says, after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, the sound of a low whisper spoke to Elijah. And Elijah heard it. He wrapped his face in his cloak. He went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Now you would think, <laughs> in the midst of tragedy and struggle and wanting to end his life, you would think God would have came in the first few ways, right? You would think God would have shouted to make sure Elijah heard him. You would, have think, you would think God would have done some miraculous, out-of-this-world thing so he'd get Elijah's attention, and yet he comes in an unexpected way. And maybe that's a reminder to you and me this morning that maybe we miss Jesus because we expect him to show up in some way, and what he's really doing is whispering so it draws us in. See, I think Jesus often shows up in an unexpected way because he doesn't want to be a billboard that we just glance at and then keep driving. He wants to be the soft, still voice that makes me lean in and sit. And maybe we're expecting Jesus to show up and just, bam, right in our face. And Jesus has actually been here all along and is waiting for us to do something unexpected, like slow down and listen. Well, we see as the story goes on of Jesus' birth that Jesus often goes to people that you wouldn't expect. Jesus goes to people that you don't expect, and he brings good news to the last people you would think he would. Jesus enters the world, and just so you and I are on the same page this morning, shepherds were not the elite class of Jesus' day. They're not the first people that you introduced to royalty. Shepherds were not the first people that you'd say, yep, those are the guys we want to go to and, and bring the good news. Shepherds would have been pretty far down the list of the most expected people for the good news of Jesus to go to. Like you would think you'd go to the people who everybody knows, the famous, the rich, the people, the rulers, the people who would listen, right? The people who everybody would have to follow. Instead, they go to shepherds who nobody follows. They go to these men who live literally out in the field with sheep and are never around human contact hardly. They go to people who most people consider dirty and just kind of uh, over there and not somebody that they would listen to anyway. And that's who Jesus shows up. That's who the angels go to first to tell them that the Savior has come. 
Jesus goes to people that you just don't expect. In Luke chapter 5, we read this story of Jesus went out and he saw a tax collector named Levi. And, and Levi was sitting at his tax booth and he said, Jesus said to him, he said, come follow me. And leaving everything, Levi arose and he followed him and he made him this great feast at his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and other people reclining with Jesus at the table. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the scribes, they grumbled at Jesus' disciples. And they said this, they said, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Why are you hanging out with people that you shouldn't? And, his and he says, why do you do that? And Jesus said to them, well, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. He said, I didn't come to call the righteous like you expected. I came to call sinners to repentance. Jesus hung out with people you wouldn't expect. Jesus brought good news to people that you wouldn't expect. And Jesus changed the lives of people that you wouldn't expect. <clears throat> it reminds me early on <laughs> when I was here at Journey and we were doing college ministry, we had this rule with our college leaders that it was a democracy and not a dictatorship. And so every year we would, we would recruit and bring in new student leaders for our ministry. And the rule was that like I had veto power. Like if there was something that I knew that nobody else knew, but I couldn't share, like I could say, ah, this person probably isn't ready to be on leadership team or things like that. But the idea was that we wanted to involve students in doing this, which is always a good idea when they do what you want. <laughs> and then one year we had this girl who everybody thought should be on leadership team. Now the problem was I knew her all for a long time before she knew Jesus. And so I knew all these stories and I had this image in my mind of what she was like before Jesus. And she'd only been a Christian about four or five months and I just was like, they said, this girl needs to be a leader. And I said, you guys are nuts. <laughs> and I'm in the room and I am like just campaigning against this person and I'm just like, she is not ready. She's going to be a, she's got a bad idea. She's going to do, I can't believe you think this person can be a leader. And the whole room, finally one of the girls in the room says, are you vetoing this or are you just complaining? So I'm thinking about it. <laughs> and I said, I'm not going to veto, but here's the deal. When she screws up, and she will, you get to be the ones that deal with the mess and not me. And I took my ball and went home because I'm super mature like that. This girl ended up being one of the best student leaders I've ever had in 25 years of ministry. She literally won like half of her softball team to Christ. She won her coach, her college coach, back to Jesus, started coming to church, changed her life, and did incredible things. And I tell you that story to tell you this. I want to ask you a question. Who are the people in your life if they were up front this morning leading, or if they came forward this morning to give their life to Jesus, you'd be shocked. Who are the people that, that if you heard they were leading a Bible study, or even if they were coming to church, or they were helping in our children's wing, or who's that person in your life, if you heard, you know what, they gave their life to Jesus last week, you'd go, eh, we'll see if that sticks. Here's the crazy part. That was me. That was me to most people for many years. Like there are people that I went to high school with who they go, you're a pastor? <laughs> All right. Um, what kind of church do you go to? <laughs> right? 
I got into ministry six months after I was a Christian. And yet somewhere along the line, I got sucked into this idea that only really good people can do this. And then when somebody came into my life who was just like me, I went, mm, I don't know. Who, who is that for you? Who are the people in your life that if, if you heard they were in a Bible study or they were coming to church or, or that God had got a hold of their life, you'd go, oh, I don't think that's, they're probably faking it. See, the angels came and told those shepherds this, this really special word. They said, this is good news for all people. For all people. See, see what, what I really said when I said, this girl's not ready, she, she's not ready to be a leader, what I was really saying is that Jesus can't change lives. That, that's what you and I really say. Let's, let's be real this morning. When we say, oh, that person could never change, or we say, yeah, that person came forward, but it's probably not real, what we're really saying is that Jesus isn't powerful enough to change anybody's life. And yet, the story of Jesus is super clear, that Jesus is for everyone. And, and never forget that Jesus can change any life because he changed yours. <laughs> and he changed mine. Scripture says this all over the place. Romans 10 says, everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 1 Timothy 2 says, this is good. It's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires what? All people all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, God's not slow in returning. He's not slow in fulfilling his promise, as some of us think of slowness, but he's patient because why? Because he doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants all people to come to repentance. Jesus is for everybody, even the people that you least expect. In fact, it seems to be in Jesus' life that he's actually more for the people that you and I least expect. He's for everyone. And that means you and I are supposed to be that way too. There should never come a moment where I go, boy, that's just shocking to me. That guy? See, my response should be, yeah, Jesus did it again. In the same way he did it for me. There's a small part of this story that I don't know why, but for whatever reason, it always stands out to me. It's not the only time that this phrase is used in the Gospels. Towards the end of, of the story of Jesus' birth, the, the shepherds come and they tell Mary and Joseph the whole story of the angels and what's happened. And it says that everybody kind of stirred around and they didn't really know what they were saying. But it says that Mary, the mother of Jesus, stored up these things in her heart. And this, this happens again later on when Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to this man named Simeon. And Simeon tells them that Jesus will cause the rise and fall of many kingdoms. And they tell him who he is and what he's destined to do. And it says that Mary stores up these things in her heart. And I always get this idea that it's like Mary knew, even from the very beginning, that even though she had a, a deeper knowledge than most, that Jesus was going to blow every expectation she had. It's, it's almost like you get this sense that Mary knows that her son is more than she expected. And I tell you that to say this this morning before we're done. 
Can I just tell you this morning, I don't know what your expectation of Jesus is. I don't know what you think he is or what you think he will do or who you think he is to you. I will just tell you, Jesus is more than you expect. In every way, shape, and form. Leonard Sweet says this about Jesus. He says, when we ask, what is this Jesus all about? He says, well, to the imprisoned, Jesus is the key to freedom. He's the door to salvation. He says, Jesus, to the sick, Jesus is the great physician. To the naked, Jesus is the lily of the valley. To the attacked, Jesus is the advocate and the redeemer. To the addicted, Jesus is the supplier of everything you need. To the debtor, Jesus is the payer of your debt. To the lonely, Jesus is the comforter who comes. To the drowning, Jesus is the anchor and the green pasture on the shore. To the homeless, Jesus is the cornerstone to the mansion. To the depressed, Jesus is the righteous, the son of righteousness. To the educationally harassed, Jesus is the alpha and the omega. To the lost, Jesus is the north star. To the wanderer, Jesus is the way. To the dead, Jesus is life. To the seeker, Jesus is truth. To the hungry, Jesus is the bread of life. To the thirsty, Jesus is the water from the well that never runs dry. Jesus is everything to everyone at every place. But the real question is the band comes to lead us this morning is not who do I say Jesus is or who does Leonard Sweet or some other scholar say he is. The question is, who is Jesus to you? Who do you say Jesus is this morning? Because Jesus is everything to everyone, to all people. And what that means this morning is he is for you. He is for you, and maybe for you this morning, that's an unexpected truth that you didn't know. One of my favorite Bible scholars said this one time. He said, I came to Jesus because I did not know which way to turn. He said, I remained with Jesus because there's no other way I wish to turn. I, I came to Jesus longing for something that I did not have, but I've remained with Jesus because now I have something I would never trade. I came to Jesus as a stranger, and now I remain with him in the most intimate of friendships. This morning, I just invite you to maybe do something unexpected. Maybe you've pushed Jesus off your whole life. Maybe you're that person that everybody thinks, nah, not that guy. Maybe you're here this morning and you think it's been too long and too far for me to ever come back. Maybe you think, yeah, I don't have all my ducks in a row. I don't have all the answers or I, I don't know what to do with Jesus. I, I just don't know. I don't know if he's for me. Maybe you're here this morning and the last thing you expected was to surrender your life to Jesus. Well, here's the good news this morning. Jesus is all about the unexpected. And so are we.
as we sing this song, I just would invite you, if you've never surrendered to Jesus, why not now? And why not today? We'd love to talk to you about that. We'd love to have you come and say, I'm in. We'd love to bury you in the waters of baptism and see Jesus raise you anew. It might be the most unexpected thing that you thought would happen today. This morning as we sing, we invite you to worship a Savior who is for everyone. To worship a Savior who expects and hopes and died so that everyone would come to him. Let's stand, let's worship.